Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were made, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This week I've been listening to a tape series that I purchased from the Institute for Creation Research about 25 years ago. And I've listened through them several times since then, and I just thoroughly enjoy them. Uh, these creationists are doing excellent technical scientific work in support of uh, biblical narrative, young earth creationism. And uh, Dr. Henry Morris begins the series, and he was such a rational, erudite man. Uh, he begins with just a total uh, destruction of the secular worldview, displacing it with the creationist perspective. And then you have Dr. Dwayne Gish, who spent decades debating evolutionists. Evolutionists did not like debating that man. Many refused to. And uh, Dr. Steve Austin was an uh, old earth believer in the 60s, but yet he became a Christian and he, he was persuaded with young earth beliefs. And he has studied Mount St. Helens ever since the eruption. He'd been studying it for the decade leading up to the eruption. And he has devastating critiques of uniformitarianism in that uh, tape series. And then you have Dr. John Morris, who is Henry Morris's son. And he spoke at length about the uh, global flood and especially its impact upon North America and how it just demolishes uniformitarianism. One of the elements of uniformitarianism is the belief that all of these various rock layers throughout the earth have been uh, laid down over eons of time, millions, hundreds of millions, billions even of years. But in this country, there is what is referred to as the great unconformity. And that is when you examine the Grand Canyon and that whole area, there is time missing from the geologic record. In some places, it's 150 to 200 million years. In other places, it's 800 million years. And in others, it's over a billion years. And so you have these strata that are supposed to be separated by up to a billion years that are just intimately connected. And it's, it, it's entirely consistent with the global catastrophic model of this land being inundated by the global flood and then washed clean by all that water. And so there is this great unconformity that really confounds the uniformitarian geologists and atheists. Now, people choose not to believe the truth, I believe, and we all know that. And so Dr. John Morris had been very active searching for Noah's Ark up on Mount Ararat. I don't know if he continued that uh, search long after into the 90s and into the aughts, but uh, just three years ago, a team 
was said to have found Noah's Ark buried in Mount Ararat, or evidence of it anyway. And yet, of course, the first thing that comes out is that there isn't, uh, that isn't possible, that it's a big hoax, that wood was brought in. Now, what would you think would happen if people were said to have found the Ark? Uh, I think too naively we believe that it would suddenly just convince the whole world of the correctness of the young earth creation model, and it just won't. God doesn't work that way. And so Hebrews 11.7 reads, By faith Noah prepared an ark by which he condemned the world. His actions condemned the world of his day because his actions were founded on his beliefs that were at odds with the world of his day. Our, our beliefs and our actions at odds with the world of our day, yes. And therefore, we are regarded as judging them. We don't mean to. As a matter of fact, Jesus was accused of judging. In John 12, let me read how he responded to this uh, concept of accu accusing. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that with, which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. And so Jesus did something here that I want you to remember. He points to the word when he's accused of judging others of their sin. I believe we should do likewise. In Luke 17, 26, we read, as, in, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. What I want to point out to you is that that is a uniformitarian way of living. It is the belief that today was just like yesterday and tomorrow will be just like today. That is so easy for we humans to fall into that belief. We are all, I think, in many ways practicing uniformitarians. So when God does something different to us, now if it's good, it's wonderful, right? But if it's bad, it's not so wonderful, and it can really ruin our whole day. But what I want to point out is a verse in Genesis 7:11. Just as the waters are about to cover the earth, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Isn't that interesting how precise that is? In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, God is very precise. He's a God of precision. And he destroyed the world of that day, just like we read at the beginning from 2 Peter. We humans assume everything will be just as it was. And as a matter of fact, Isaiah rebuked the religious leaders of his day for that same thing. They were running roughshod over the church, and this is what he said. They were talking about getting drunk 
and saying, tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. This is a faith in the future that is not predicated on God's goodness, but predicated on our own presumption that things will just remain. Because we're such finite humans, it's hard for us to really grasp the power of God, the ability of God on the 600th year, the second month, the 17th day, to do something totally different. It had not rained before that day. And then the waters came up out of the earth, the waters came down from the vapor canopy, totally inundated the earth, and yet only Noah and his family survived. Everything else was destroyed. This flood was God's condemnation, but what we look to is the ark because it was his salvation, his grace at work. His justice fell upon the earth, but yet his mercy protected those that believed. We live in uniformitarian times, just like I pointed out. Spend, 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 $17 trillion in debt, no worries. Spend, spend, spend. But one fine day, one year, one month, one day, it will likely come crashing down. God will inject into this world a discontinuity. Our God is not a uniformitarian. We tend to be just because we're finite humans and we have no imagination that he has. But yet, there is what I would propose a greater unconformity than the one that the atheistic geologists are upset by in this continent. And that is the fact that God cares about what happens to us. God sent Christ, God himself, to die in our stead. And so this is a greater unconformity, and it really is wonderful. We might be practicing uniformitarians in many ways, even though we're Christians, but yet we owe our very existence and future in heaven to the fact that God believes in discontinuity. And so we praise him for that. So as we come to the table, let's remember that we are celebrating this tremendous discontinuity in our world that many disparage. Father, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your presence with us. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are so much higher, so much bigger, so much more capable than we mere mortals. We thank you, Father, for your imagination, your creativity, uh, for the fact that you don't allow things to be uh, done by us too easily, that you force us to turn to you in faith day by day. And so we pray, Lord, for that faith, that you would grant us a trust in you and that we would submit our very wills to you each day and not place our faith in anything of this world. We give you thanks in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.